Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight will be study number 32 of Revelation chapter 1, and we're presently looking in verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And we we saw in our last study, as we began to look at this verse, that John is addressing the true believers. He's speaking to his brothers, and of course he's speaking under the inspiration of God, and God is moving him to say these things. But he is telling us that he is our brother and companion in tribulation. And we saw the word companion can also be translated as partaker. He partook in tribulation, and so do we partake in tribulation. As Jesus said, in the world ye will have tribulation. It is unavoidable for the child of God, because we identify with the word of God. We identify with Christ himself, and therefore we become a target of this world and of spiritual forces uh, who hate the Lord Jesus Christ and are antagonistic towards him and towards any that would identify with him. And it's the truth of the word of God that identifies with Christ primarily. And so we can expect if, if we're sharing truth and we're attempting to be faithful to what the Bible says that there will be tribulation. And yes, there's tribulation in the world always. That's normative. That's to be expected in the life of each child of God. But the Bible also refers to great tribulation. And we are witnesses. We, we actually have gone through that period of time, which lasted 23 years from May 21, 1988, through May 21 of 2011. That was the Great Tribulation period, Megas Thalipsis, and that was a time when there was much tribulation for the Word's sake, because God opened up a great and wide-open door to the world to send forth the gospel like never before. And since the gospel went forth in an unparalleled way and tribulation comes because of the word and the word was multiplying and and prospering all over the earth, there was great tribulation as those who shared these things became a target of uh, individuals in the churches, individuals in the world, because many were now hearing the gospel or the light was shining in the darkness and naturally there was a response of uh, criticism and reviling and so forth the 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 tribulation intensified and became great and so that time has passed and we have now entered into the day of judgment but we're not to think that there tribulation is over for us because we're still living in this world and therefore there is still tribulation 
and continuing for the very same reason for the word's sake as believers continue to adhere to and to uphold and to testify of the word of God, well, there can be expected tribulation as a result. Well, we've come to the point in this verse where John is being moved to say he's our companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. So there is uh, the word and, a conjunction, joining the previous statement with this statement. That means that John is saying, I'm not only your companion in tribulation, but I am your companion or partaker in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. You know, the, the word kingdom is a very commonly found word in the New Testament. It's found in the Old Testament, too. But it's a word that is especially used in many of the parables of Jesus as he explains the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he'll he'll give various parables. And they're all designed to explain the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, it, it says in... In Matthew chapter 5, let's start there. In Matthew 5, in verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And and that would involve tribulation. And righteousness is the Lord Jesus. And, and you can't separate him from his word. So for righteousness' sake or Christ's sake or the word's sake are all synonymous statements. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here, God is saying, all right, you're going to be persecuted. I'm not going to hide it from you. I'm not going to lie. Of course, God wouldn't lie. He always tells us the truth. And he's not going to try and cover it up or to hide it in any way, to uh, to have us deceived about it in any kind of way at all. He he tells us very directly and straightforwardly. Now, God says on one hand, here is my gift of salvation. It is the most glorious, wonderful, absolutely incredible gift that anyone could ever receive. It is eternal life in an eternal kingdom an eternal new heaven and new earth dwelling in my presence and you will live forever without pain or sorrow and and on and on and on it goes. And, uh, you know, we, we really could, if we were of a mind to, go on quite a while discussing the great benefits and blessings of the kingdom of heaven. God tells us that directly also. But he doesn't tell us that exclusively. He doesn't always hold that up in front of our eyes. No, he he explains this is in the future. The kingdom of heaven begins when you become saved. It is within you. And that's because we receive the new spirit. And that's when we're citizens. We're made citizens of that glorious kingdom. and And we're... Uh, seated in heavenly places in Christ in that kingdom. We belong to that kingdom. It is ours. 
It is our possession, our great inheritance, and yet that is a future thing. And I don't know, um, well, God knows, but from our perspective, we don't know how long it will be until that glorious future is ushered in. That is, you could die, I could die, any of us could die tomorrow or next week or next month. We don't know, and and we would begin to enjoy some of the fruits of the kingdom of heaven because in our soul existence we would go to be with the Lord. But And, and we think there's a good possibility that the day of judgment will be 1,600 days. But regardless... We, we don't know individually when we will be brought into that kingdom. And even if it were uh, a whole lifetime, even if it were 50 years or 20 years or, or three more years or two years, however long it, it may be, God holds up that wonderful, beautiful kingdom of heaven. This is your uh, inheritance. This is your possession. It is of the greatest value possible. It dwarfs everything else in value, and there is nothing like it. But, on the other hand, you must live from the point of your salvation. You must continue to live in this world, a world that is hostile towards me and towards my kingdom, towards my word, towards everything that relates to me, to the light of God. And you now have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. Remember what it says in Colossians, and I'm going to read it, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That happens at the moment of salvation. You and and each child of God are now translated into the kingdom of God's dear son, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you're you're in that kingdom. Therefore, uh, there is enmity between you and the kingdom of Satan that you have come out of. You are viewed as a traitor. You are viewed as someone uh, who is now uh, an enemy of the world. And the world will make this known. Uh, you can be sure of it. Now in the world, ye will have tribulation. You will suffer affliction. It is through much tribulation that you will enter into the kingdom of God. And this tribulation can be pretty intense. It can be very severe at times. And who knows? We don't know what's in store for us as we live in this world. It, it can be um, uh, oppression, persecution, depending on where we live in the world, what country we're in, what the laws allow towards Christians and so on. Yet God says, this is the facts. I'm laying them out for you. And there will be suffering involved. 
you are going to suffer for my sake. This is really uh, what taking up the cross of Christ pictures, isn't it? It, it, We're not taking up uh, a flowery bed of ease. We're taking up a cross. And a cross is a place of suffering. You know, it says in uh, Philippians, in Philippians chapter 1, in verse 28 and 29, and 30 also, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Christ suffered for our sake, and he took upon him our sins, and he paid the penalty. He died the death that the law required, and made payment in full for your sin and my sin, if we're one of his elect, and he satisfied the law's demands and freed us from the penalty of the law, which is death, and now we may live forever. He suffered for us, and now God sets up a program in this life where we identify with him and now suffer for his sake. It's given to us for for this cause. And, and, you know, God gives faith, God gives repentance, God gives spiritual uh, blessings and, and spiritual things that we, um, we normally recognize as good things. But when it comes to suffering, we normally don't think of that as a gift. And yet that's exactly what God says, unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ. Not only to believe, yes, uh, faith is a gift. You're given the faith of Christ, which saves you, and also your own belief, which follows. But not only that, but also to suffer. And again, God tells us directly. He, he doesn't hide it from us. There is suffering involved. You know, this is a very worthwhile thing a worthwhile endeavor that the child of God is involved with. This is not something minor. This is not something of little value. This is the eternal kingdom of an incredible future that God has granted to each one of us. And so he says, as we read this verse in our last study in Second Thessalonians 2, in verse 4, So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not 
the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here the Lord says, Look, I'm going to repay the tribulation. I'll recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Don't don't be concerned about that. Don't uh, respond in kind. If reviled, revile not again. If someone is persecuting you, well, don't fight back. Don't take up their own weapons and and battle them. No, no, you continue to pray for them and forgive them and be kind to them. And don't seek to return hostility to them in any way. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And here we are living in the day of judgment, which is the day of vengeance. And and so we we know God is recompensing the Babylon, the kingdom of Satan, the unsaved inhabitants of the earth are now experiencing the wrath of God as he has shut the door upon them. It's a very grievous judgment of God. And, and it's a horrible thing to think that there is no more salvation for the people of the world. So we need to keep these things in mind and, and we need to continue waiting on the Lord and, uh, patiently waiting upon Him for Him to bring the completion of His kingdom, the fulfillment or the completeness of His kingdom to us. The kingdom of God is within us. But one day we will be brought into that new heaven and new earth and and all that we see, all that exists will belong to the kingdom of heaven. Well, let's also um, go to Matthew 13. In Matthew chapter 13, we're looking at this word, the kingdom of God. It says the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, but Christ is God and the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God or kingdom of Christ are all saying the same thing. In Matthew 13, beginning in verse 37, it says, He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Now this is uh, an explanation of the parable of the wheat and the tares. Verse 38, The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Did you catch that the good seed are the children of the kingdom but the tares are the children of the wicked one the tares are not the children of the kingdom of god and this reveals to us that it is only god's true believers only those whose names have been recorded by god before the world began his elect those predestinated to obtain his salvation, the ones that Christ died for, and he only died for their sins and none other, it is to them that the kingdom belongs and not to others. It goes on to say in verse 39 and following, the enemy that sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world or age, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. 
Notice again, they shall gather out of his kingdom. And then verse 42, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who has ears to hear, let him hear. There are some that try to identify with the kingdom of God and and the church world of uh, hundreds upon hundreds of millions of professed Christians attempt to do this. If you ask them, they would say they're a Christian, a child of God. They belong to the kingdom of heaven. And yet God uh, made a distinction in separating the wheat from the tares and taking them out of his kingdom in order that the righteous, who the kingdom truly belongs to, would shine forth. Now, it it says in John 3, in verse 3 and verse um, 5, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God requires salvation, to be born again. There is no way that anyone else can enter in. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It is only the one that God has saved that becomes a citizen of that kingdom, of someone who has entered into the kingdom of heaven. And they do so by the means of their new birth. They have citizenship, but there will come a time when uh, a God will uh, enlarge that and the kingdom of heaven will will include the new heaven and new earth and and all in the existence of God's realm will be a part of that kingdom. And and so the Bible also speaks of entering in. It is through much tribulation that you enter into the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. So we can be in the kingdom of heaven through salvation, a new birth, but we have not yet entered into the kingdom of heaven in the sense of, uh, of leaving this world and, and going to the next. Well, let's um, just look at one more verse regarding the kingdom. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says in in verse 28, I'm going to read a few verses here so we get the context, beginning in verse 26. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. This is the tremendous nature of, of the kingdom of God that the child of God is a part of. It is a kingdom that cannot be shaken or removed, which we cannot say of this world. The people of the world, the unsaved inhabitants of the earth, 
Well, they're a part of this kingdom, Satan's kingdom, and it will be shaken, it will be moved and destroyed, and the world will pass away, and so will their kingdom, and Satan's kingdom will will be gone forever. But God's kingdom, the kingdom of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is an eternal kingdom, and it's really a wonderful picture that God gives. We we think of of the few good earthly kings, the kings of Judah, like Josiah or King David, and we think, wouldn't it be wonderful to have been a part of that kingdom, to have lived in the days of David when when a good man, a righteous man, made good and righteous by the Lord Jesus Christ and his work, but a good man, a faithful man, was ruling over the people. Wouldn't it have been wonderful to have been a citizen of of the the nation of Israel in those days to serve a good king like David or a good king like Josiah and and to know that this man is someone that seeks to do the Lord's will. We we find joy in service to someone who is faithfully serving God and we we would feel privileged to be a part of that kingdom to serve a king who is like that but can you imagine and that's all we can do well we can think about it from uh this side of heaven this side of living in this world we we can't think of it too much due to our limitations but just just consider just uh, contemplate for a little while what it will be like to be in uh, such a glorious kingdom ruled over by the king of all kings, by the great and mighty, all-powerful God who is perfectly good and just and right. And so every decree that the king makes is a good decree and a right decree. Every commandment is proper and just and we will be privileged to be inhabitants and and citizens and servants of this kingdom and to that king and we will serve him uh, forever and ever in the kingdom the kingdom of heaven will continue on without ever an end and we are the the ones who will be there to see these things, to serve our King, God himself, who will dwell amongst us. And if it was a privilege and an honor to serve someone like David, a good man, or Josiah, a good man, how much infinitely more will we be privileged and honored to serve God himself, who makes men like that to be good, and we can serve goodness in its very essence. It really is a tremendous future that's in store for each child of God in the kingdom of heaven.